0: Hello and welcome back to The Fitter Podcast, the show that's all about demystifying science and separating science fiction from science fact. This is season two of the podcast. The theme this season is Lose Fat, Get Fitter which incidentally is the name of the book of my co-host, Jitendra Chokse, a.k.a. JC. Hey, guys. Hey, JD. Uh, Great to have you back. Uh, You know, I've been saying for the longest time that there's a lot of misinformation about fitness out there. And so I thought, why don't I um, cover some of the top fitness myths in today's episode? Sounds good? Sounds excellent. In fact, uh, you've also covered quite a bit of these uh, myths in your book, Lose Fat, Get Fitter. So I think this is a great chance to really dive deeper into them and figure out what exactly why are these myths so popular and what is the truth. Absolutely. Let's go. Yeah, Great. So here's what we'll do. I'll read out a myth that you've covered in your book and you can tell the listeners why it's a myth and what the truth is so that everyone understands what exactly science has to say about that particular myth. Sure. Cool. Fair enough. Great. So let's uh start kick things off with an oldie but a goodie. It's been around for a very long time. And the myth is warm water with honey and lemon makes you lose weight. Uh yeah, this is in line with the whole green tea makes you lose weight. Apple yeah. cider vinegar makes you lose weight. They're they're all the same. Um I find these ones really funny. You know, there was this one article which said that the hotter the water, uh your fat will burn that much faster. So huh. if you if you drink um, you know, probably uh, a warm water. The effect might not be as prominent as compared to as you drink water water. And the logic behind that was that your body will have to do additional work to bring the temperature of the water down. Um, look, so this is this is a uh, this is a complete myth, and uh, uh, you have to understand that when we talk about fat burning or when we talk about um, you know losing fat. We are essentially talking about stored fat, which is stored in your body in the form of triglycerides. Now, triglycerides are nothing but uh free fatty acids um, along with a glycerol molecule, right? And uh these uh free fatty acids and glycerols are, are are bound together in the form of a triglyceride molecule. To be able to break this triglyceride molecule, it goes through different processes, there are different enzymes which are responsible for carrying out this process and water is not uh, the hot water that you're drinking is not directly uh, needed to be able to burn that fat right so your body does this in a very efficient manner on a need basis and this process is independent of what you do throughout the day like it, it's not that your body is not burning fat and suddenly you drink water and it will start burning fat right so it's the, the triggers the processes the hormones they are Automated in your system, and they do not rely you for an external stimulus, right? So thinking how do that, you, how do, you, how do you explain that? Okay? It simply means that your body is doing what it needs to do. Hmm. It's simply doing what it needs to do, irrespective of what you do. Like it does not need an enter. It's not like uh, water introducing hot water is going to change anything very drastically. No, no, no. It won't. It won't. Your body is. Uh, as a functional machine, it, it works 24-7 without relying on external stimuli. Just like your heart beats automatically without you instructing it to beat, your body does a lot of work um, voluntarily without relying on any kind of external stimulus. There are external stimulus like exercising, which will make your heart beat faster and the processor will uh, start requiring more energy, convert more energy. But that's, that's, that's very limited. And and that can be classified separately. But hot water or drinking zero water or you know eating something is not suddenly going to provide your body that stimulus. Okay, so this kind of you know JC brings me to the next myth. You know, since we are talking about honey, I have heard so many times that sugar is bad, sugar is evil, it is poison, but honey is good and jaggery is good. And what you should do is for your for the sake of your health is replace sugar with honey and jaggery. And you're good to go. You don't need to worry about calories. You don't need to worry about how much you're eating. No, this is just uh, clever marketing. It's the same people who keep talking about you know um, how uh, X food is bad, Y food is good. When in reality, we have seen, we have established that no food is good or bad inherently. It's the quantity Mm. which makes it a better choice or or a or a bad choice, right? So even if you talk about some of the healthy foods like apple. Um, has arsenic. Uh, apple has cyanide and a cheese. uh Rice has zinc. Um, uh, rice has arsenic. Your fishes that you consume—they have zinc. So there's uh, there's these micronutrients, micro minerals, which are actually poisonous, but they exist in such smaller quantities that they don't make a world of difference. You know, they don't—they um, won't kill you. But if you consume the same healthy foods in larger quantities, let me assure you that they would. You know, in fact, there was a famous philosopher who died of watermelon poisoning. He ate too many watermelons. Watermelon. Yeah, he ate too many watermelons, thinking that they were healthy, mm. and he consumed too many watermelons. I think twenty, thirty, or something, and then he died. <laughs> right. So I shouldn't the food. idea, yeah, it's 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 crazy. Like, who would want to die of eating too many watermelons? But yeah, yeah, yeah. and he was a philosopher, by the way. <laughs> I'd rather die eating pizza. <laughs> so the point i'm trying to make here is no food inherently is good or bad. uh most of the foods have a predetermined fat uh, predetermined uh fate mm. uh, which means they're either gonna get converted into glucose uh fatty acids or amino acids mm. right and that does not change mm. so it doesn't make it doesn't uh make any difference whether you're consuming your calories from sugar or jaggery or uh uh you know any other options which you think are healthier alternatives you if you eat more of them um it will still result in the same thing and that's why we see so many people who keep buying these expensive foods um you know those gourmet options yeah uh they they, they spend so much of money but they still land up nowhere because the mistake is the same they were eating the sugar in the same quantity but now they are still eating jaggery in the same quantity right the problem is not sugar or jaggery. The problem is the quantity in the first place. Yeah. Exactly. But there is an argument to know that these people make that honey and jaggery have minerals and are rich in certain nutrients which sugar is lacking. Now, uh, look, there's the, the quantity of minerals and vitamins in these ingredients is, is extremely less. And again, that depends on quantity. If you eat more of something, you will get more minerals. But if you are consuming less of them, you are definitely getting less of it. You are not going to pour... Uh, one entire bottle of honey in your food, right? It probably take one tablespoon or one teaspoon. Mm-hmm. That's like seven grams or fourteen grams. How much micro minerals or how much vitamins are you gonna probably get in one teaspoon of honey, right? Not much, right? So you're talking about one percent, two percent of your RDA, mm-hmm. which you can easily get from any other food options, mm-hmm. right? So sometimes people have to understand that quantity plays. A very big role in determining not just your macros but also micros. Your micros will also increase when the quantity increases. Mm-hmm. Right? So, the best source of micros are hands down vegetables. Anything else does not even come close. No superfood, no gourmet, no expensive dishes that you are getting from, uh, you know, you're getting imported from somewhere will provide you as many micronutrients as uh, your dark green leafy vegetables right right because one of the things that they say about jaggery especially is that jaggery has 11 mg of iron and 70 to 90 mg of magnesium and but but you don't consume but you don't consume 100 grams of jaggery that's that's the thing they don't tell you that 11 mg of iron is present in 100 grams of jaggery so like you said, you know, there are much better ways of getting your iron. Yeah, exactly. To, you know, rather than eating 100 grams, who eats that much jaggery anyway? Right? 100 grams of jaggery is going to give you lots of calories. Uh, it's going to give you 400 calories. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at that exactly. Uh, like 100 grams is roughly three eighty-three calories. Mm-hmm. 100 grams of sugar gives three eighty-seven calories. It's almost identical. Same, same calories. And if you are talking about micronutrients, you're not going to consume 100 grams of either sugar or sugar. You're consuming probably right. six to seven grams or eight grams. So then the content of iron or any other micro minerals or vitamins you're talking about goes substantially down. Mm-hmm. So, so you have to also weigh in that how much of this content I'm eating. If you're eating a little bit of it, it uh, doesn't, doesn't make any uh, right, sense right. to replace. I think there is just this general mistrust of white foods, you know, white rice and white sugar. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think that's the world we live in, 2021. Everything white is bad. Yeah, yeah, everything white is bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, let's stay with the rice myth over here. Because like you I, I pointed out, you know, rice, we've been talking about how rice is a great source of carbs. Potatoes are a great source of carbs. But there is this big myth that if you eat rice or any other carbs, after 7pm, you're going to gain weight. That's that's just crazy. That's nuts. I, I don't understand how people uh, make up this kind of stuff. Yeah, but I remember when I was young, my mom used to tell me, if you eat rice and go to sleep, like if you lie down, then you're going to get a nice big belly. And I had a nice big belly and I actually used to think this is the reason why. <laughs> Even if people are saying, don't eat it at night, you know, it still makes sense. Like, you can still... Uh, you know, don't feel bad for those people because they they are they are generalizing things. But when somebody says don't eat after seven, mm. what kind of a retarded specification is this? Like your body does not understand if it's seven o'clock or if it's seven fifteen. Mm. You know, you you have your circadian rhythm, which lasts from um, which which changes every eight hours, but it does not follow your a worldly clock. Mm. You know, it follows its own internal clock so specifying a time mentioning that don't eat carbs after 7 it does not make sense what if somebody is working in a night shift and somebody who sleeps in the afternoon correct what for him he he's his body is not following the worldly clock his body is going, going to follow his own circadian rhythm right? so these kind of specific advice advices are not only uh, uh, like uh, not only are they crazy they are outright dangerous now there, there could be a chance the reason why this whole don't eat rice in the evening myth came from is that when people tend to eat food in the evening they tend to eat a lot and rice you know one of the foods which is which is high in calories there are there are better low calorie options like potatoes or or vegetables or you know something which is which is light right, right. Um, something which is light in calories so it could be that people were eating a lot of rice and over a period of time when the same people gained weight somebody made an observation and we know how observational theories lead to these kind of hypotheses so this could be one of those hypotheses where people just pointed out look this guy was eating too much of rice and he gained weight." Mm. so the natural response to that must have been if he stops eating rice he'll get fit and that's how these myths propagate but in reality what what, what the, the guy was doing the mistake in the first place was that he, he was eating too much. So again, pointing back to the same thing that we discussed a few minutes back. You're eating too much of something, right? But, uh, does meal timing really, uh, is it important for certain people, for the average person, or is it, uh, you no, know, is there a certain category of people who should be worried about what they eat and when they eat it? Look, there are studies which have confirmed or which has been to uh, the notion that meal timing does play some role, but that role might be minuscule compared to other things, and that this thing should be only concerning to top athletes or elite athletes. You know, when they have fixed everything else. So when we talk about the whole pyramid of good nutrition, you know, at the at the at the bottom is your macros. Um, actually before the macros the first thing is adherence then comes your macros and comes your uh, protein intake then comes your training and then on top of that you know uh, your your uh, meal frequency and on top of that you have supplements right so so we we realize that all these things while they might um, contribute to your overall uh, performance but they make very minuscule difference like like the the effect size is extremely extremely small compared to some of the obvious things which people tend to ignore right so if you're an average guy meal timing should not ideally bother you right. you see the bottom of the pyramid itself has adherence so why would you want to consume meals at odd hours which does not fit into lifestyle and which makes it more and more difficult to adhere to a sustainable routine so now let's get a little more creative with our myths. Uh here are some myths which are like really out there but it's surprising how many people actually believe it and uh, one of them is the ancestral diet myth in fact in your book uh, you've written a variation of this so let me just read out a small section from loose fat get bitter this is in the myths chapter myth number 9 always eat what your forefathers ate and here's what you've written Charles Darwin just rolled over in his grave the evolutionary history of humans goes back many millennia and yet If a Punjabi were to eat idli sambar and a Tamil were to eat alu paratha, they would supposedly face digestive issues, which would lead to—you've guessed it—nutritional deficiencies and fat gain. Look, end quote. Let's hear the argument against this. Whenever we are talking about these dishes, people have to understand that dishes are never the final product. You know, like it's an interim product. What was, uh, what were these dishes before they were being created? They were rice. Millets, cereals. Right. You know, the same old dal, potatoes, right? Wheat and ghee. Yeah. So so they were there. And then somebody made a recipe out of it, which you consumed. And then what's the end product once it gets inside your body? Protein fats, carbohydrates. Which get converted into amino acids. Again, which get converted into... Exactly. Correct. Glucose. So you see, all the recipes are basically an intermediary. They They are not the final product. The final product is what happens to it inside your body. And if you're if you're looking about how these things can make a difference when you're when you're weighing in your food or when you're when you're checking your raw ingredients of these um, recipes, you'll see idli is made up of the same stuff, um, rice. Correct. When when you are eating dal chawal, uh, it's just a it's just a way in which these things are prepared, but otherwise the the raw ingredients are exactly the same and they also get converted into the same things inside your body they also get converted into the same things inside your body so how how is it even possible yeah yeah so i hope this clarifies things for people if you want to eat momos in mumbai please don't be afraid you don't need to be from the northeast or even living in the northeast to eat momos you're not going to suddenly put on weight gain fat i don't know the earth the sky is not going to fall down if you eat momos in mumbai <laughs> now Next, let's come to a myth which I, I You know, I heard it for the first time when I was in school. Now, I was told that the reason I had fat legs—I was quite fat—the reason I had fat legs was that I used to drink water while standing up. And now, now that I'm a little older, I now hear that the reason my knees hurt or the like is that again the same thing. It's because I stand up and I drink water. If you stand up and drink water your knees are going to hurt they are going to uh something's going to happen and you're going to get problems and joint problems it. yeah it's Tell me about it. yeah it's it's as if you know people drink people drink water and the water is going to come crashing down from your mouth and drop like a you know rock on your knees and joints exactly exactly yeah look uh, we have to understand we have to understand the basics of everything you know water travels inside your body through the food pipe or the esophagus which is a which is a small pipe you know connected to the mouth and eventually lands in your stomach now a lot of people wonder how long does it take for water to digest or how is water digested one of the main differences between eating food and drinking water is that water is absorbed rather than digested Mm. and that the process of water absorption actually begins uh, in, in the stomach and it, it goes into your bloodstream. If you, if you think about it, when, when people talk about blood, blood is 92% water, right? And even when the water is traveling from your food pipe down to your stomach, it doesn't just splash. In fact, uh, you will always feel a bump in your uh, a bump in your throat whenever you're drinking water. It makes makes you you can feel that the water is going down your windpipe. Uh, sorry, your food pipe, and and it always travels. Uh, and you can feel that traveling. It's not like suddenly gushing down. It travels through waves of muscular contractions. You know, and and and, and the same muscular contraction which makes the water go through your stomach prevents us from coming out splashing right. right so so this is absolutely crap and uh water first of all does not even reach your knees or any other organs unless until you know it reaches your stomach and in the stomach is where the process of absorption begins and it's a it's a it's a process it depends on a lot of things and uh, it also depends on you know how what you have eaten or if you're if you have drunk water on an empty stomach so the the, the rate of absorption can vary mm. um you know it, it can vary um from as um, as fast as five minutes to it can it can take more time it can it can even take hours you know great the only the bottom line is drink water stay hydrated it doesn't matter if you're standing up sitting down just keep drinking water uh, standing up sitting down your food pipes um, uh, position is going to remain the same it might vary it, it it will it will change when you're lying down right because then then your food pipe is parallel to the ground in which case right uh, there's a good chance that you might choke on the water because again waves of muscular contractions do happen and but uh, but there's also gravity at play so uh there's a good chance that you might choke on the water that you're drinking when you're lying in your bed mm. but when you're sitting or when you're standing. Uh, the the position of the food pipe does not really change, so it won't make any difference. Got it. Got it. Now I know there are a lot of myths that we can talk about, but we are running out of time. But just before we end the episode, I want to present you with one final myth: Women should not lift weight. Uh, we discussed this in the, uh, the discussion in one of the podcast episodes before. How how Egyptian women's actually uh, women used to lift weight how uh, Greek women used to lift weight, how Spartan women used to lift weight. So, and and even in India, women have a history of lifting weights. So, so, so I've, I've talked about how my grandmother, uh, you know, she used to lift that heavy mortar stone and uh, she used to grind wheat in uh, one of them. And she used to, uh, you know, uh, lift heavy vessels filled with water and filled with cereals. So if you think about it, women have been lifting throughout history. Now you can't say that that lifting is different and this lifting is different because now you're just selecting uh, more convenient uh, equipments. A dumbbell, um, a twenty kg dumbbell, uh, is again the weight of twenty kg's. At the same time, uh, a bucket filled with twenty liters of water is 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 again twenty liters of water, roughly, right? So so weight is the same. Right. Uh, techniques are also largely the same. You squat you pull up the bucket, you put it on your head, you go to the gym, you you pretty much use the same technique. So um, women uh, not lifting weight is is completely crazy. In fact, more and more women should lift weight. Weightlifting is a great exercise. Weightlifting uh, builds muscles and everybody has muscles. Whether women want them or not, they have muscles. And muscles are what gives the contour or the tone to your body you know so when women say hey i just want to be toned the fat is not going to give you that toned uh, contour hmm. it's 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 uh, your muscles which provide you that contour right okay and you need to lift weights excellent i hope women listening to this please don't head for the treadmill the next time you're at the gym do do resistance check strength. out there is a very nice weight 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 section in the gym also please go there i think uh, JC, i think this was a great place to end the episode of course anyone who's listening to the episode now uh, jc has covered these myths and he's also most importantly spoken about the science behind health and fitness in his new book who's fat get fitter which by the way jc is still selling like hotcakes i'm seeing your updates every day people are buying books they are posting about it and they're just loving the book so thank you so much and uh, i'm just humbled by the support that the community has provided it's uh... It means a lot to me. So thank you so much. Yeah, and it's exactly the reason we need a book like that is because there are so many myths out there and we need someone to tell us what works and what doesn't work. Because ultimately, your health is in your hands. Absolutely. And if you have the right knowledge, that's how you can actually equip yourself to do the best with your body and for your health. Absolutely. Yep. I think it's a great time to end the episode. Thank you so much, JC. Thanks for being here today. Thanks a lot, JD. And... This was the Fitter Podcast. We'll be back next week with yet another episode where we bust myths and talk science. Thanks for listening.